Amen. Woo! Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. Woo! I can tell you a couple of things. I've never changed that fast ever in my life. Today I broke a record, so that was good. But man, what a day. This is the first time ever that I've ever had soaking wet jeans when I've given a sermon, but I love it. This is great. And so uh, this is just a good day. And I tell you, I think and believe that we have experienced just a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Amen. Amen. It's going to be good. Amen. Well, this morning, it's been a great day. And my name is uh, Nate, and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm not going to promise I even have my mic on right. Sorry, Jeremy, I did the best I could. But um, we're just going to go with it today and let the Holy Spirit just lead. Amen. And so, uh, but my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say that I am deeply humbled and honored to be able to um, just share God's word and what he has for you to hear today. And so I'm kind of looking around. I invited a lot of people to be here, uh, these two services, and I'm trying to see if they lied to me or not. So, um, so I'm just checking you out. That's all real quick, but it's going to be a good day, and we're excited for it. Um, but I am uh, here representing all of our pastors, our staff, our elders, uh, many volunteers that made just today run smooth. People were here super early and um, I just want to say thank you to everybody that was involved and that was just a part um, of just putting all this together, even making sure all this with the baptism and everything. So can we just give them a hand real quick? Yeah. Amen. So we're going to get into this. So I just want you to hang on. I know it's Easter. You got a lot of plans, but I believe God has something special for us today. And so here's the deal. Empty things, but finding promises in those empty things. Have you ever promised anybody something? Now you gotta be careful who you promise something to. You gotta be careful who it is that you say, I promise to do this or I promise to do that. You gotta be careful about who it is that you promise. Well, in my household, there's a promise that I made to my family. Now, I don't want any husbands coming after me for this. I wish I could tell you I'm amazing at it, but I'm not. I'm telling you my faults here, okay? But I made a promise to my family, something that I do not like to do, but I made a promise that I would always do the dishes in our house, okay? Okay, I got, yeah, thanks, all right, awesome, all right. Some of you husbands are like, yeah, Nate, we'll get you later, we'll get you later. I wish I could say I did a lot more, but I don't. My wife can tell you she's here today, she'll tell you all my faults, but that's all right. But I made a promise to my family that I would do the dishes, that's my thing. Now listen, I can handle snakes, spiders, I can handle blood, I can handle anything, but you give me some nasty wet food that people have ate off of, that's just something I can't handle. So it's kind of my fear, it's my thing that I do. So every once in a while, I'm just gonna be honest, hold on to those cheers that you just did, I kind of let those dishes stack a little higher than they should, okay? Just a fault. I get busy. Really, I just don't want to do them, but that was my promise. That was my promise to do the dishes. And so something that's funny is that a couple weeks ago, things were a little busy, a little hectic, and uh, the dishes were piling up. And some of you are like, Nate, don't you have a dishwasher? Listen, now folks, this may be a man thing. I'm just going to tell you, we got a dishwasher, okay? But listen, I don't know if this is just 
a woman thing or what, we can pray about this later. But if I got to wash the dishes before I put them in the dishwasher, what's the point in that? So I'm just going to wash them by hand the first time and save myself some work, all right? Some of you are like, amen, amen, yeah. If I got to wash them, then put them in the dishwasher, that's a lot of waste of time. So I wash them by hand. Every once in a while I may throw them in there, but I wash them by hand. But I made this promise to my family that I'd do the dishes. Well, they were stacking up. Well, when you have a five-year-old girl in your household and she knows you've made that promise, Ava Grace, who's right over here today, yeah, she goes around and starts telling people that I haven't done the dishes. <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, she's going around telling people, yeah, daddy promised to do the dishes and he hadn't done them yet. She's going around telling everybody that. So you got to be careful who you make a promise to. But you think about it and you think about marketing life. Marketing life is full of empty promises. Often if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Experts create commercials and advertisements that tell us that we can be happy, rich, or famous if we only purchase a certain product. It doesn't take long before we have all been fooled enough to know that the world's promises are full of emptiness. It's amazing for whatever reason. That drink that I took that promised to make me six foot eight, make me really good at basketball, just didn't happen. I don't know what happened. It was full of empty promises. But you know what I'm talking about. We've all been duped into thinking, we buy this new car, it's going to make us this. We take this, it's going to do this. We buy this, it's going to make us do this. And it's full of empty promises. Our God, though, is a God of promises. In fact, the Bible records over 7,000 promises from God to his people. We live in a world of broken promises and unfulfilled expectations. We make commitments that we don't follow through on. We make plans and promises that we never intend to keep. Now, we're getting a little more serious to maybe it hurts a little bit. We're having fun with about doing the dishes and about products we buy. But when we think about it, there's many of us that maybe have been in this room for whatever reason, for whatever the life's journey's taken us, we've promised our spouse we would be faithful. We promised our kids we won't work as much. We promised ourselves we won't look at those things anymore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know the promises that you've made, but you've not been able to keep them. Not God. God is different, amen? On the first Easter Sunday, instead of promises full of emptiness, God gave us emptiness that is full of promise. Let me say it one more time, just in case you didn't get it today. On the first Easter Sunday, instead of promises full of emptiness, God gave us emptiness that is full of promise. This morning, I'd like us to think about the promise of Easter. There are at least three of them today. Each promise is marked by something empty, an empty cross, empty clothes, and an empty cave slash tomb. It is the very fact that these are empty that assures us that God's promises are not. Amen. John chapter 19 and 20, we're going to be kind of focusing on different scriptures through those chapters, and I want you to get them today. But I want you to hang on because we're going to just go right through this and we're going to get to it, but I want you to hang on to these promises today. The first one is this, the empty cross. If you were to return to the scene of Christ's execution that Sunday morning, you'd find relics of his death, a braided crown with scarlet tips. Three iron nails covered in dirt and blood and an empty cross tinged red with the blood of God. Bizarre, isn't it? The thought that this blood is not man's blood, but God's. 
to think that these nails held your sins to the cross, but that's exactly what they did. Sin led Jesus to the cross. Lies, jealousy, anger, betrayal. Not the lies of his accusers. Not the jealousy of chief's priests. Not the anger of the crowd. Not the betrayal of Judas. But our sins, our lies, our jealousy, our anger, our betrayal. And each one of us in here, including myself, we have a list of sins, don't we? What sins make your list today? And if you're new here today and it's your first time and you're not sure exactly where we're going, you just got to know something. We all are sinners. We all have sinned. Nobody is saying they're any better. We all have a list of sins. Is it anger or maybe addiction? Could it be pride or prejudice? Perhaps lustful eyes or a lying tongue? Maybe it's selfishness, once again, et cetera, et cetera. Every sin on your list comes with a price tag. A lifetime of sin is enough to rack up some major debt in heaven. Further and further in debt, initially we might try to repay what we owe. We figure our account balances as long as our good deeds outnumber our bad. But that isn't the way it works. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Simply put, the cost of your sins is more than you can pay, but the grace of God is more than you can imagine, amen? Amen. But the grace of God is more than you can imagine. I love this for, for whatever reason. Maybe it was just for me. In my devotions this past week, I read this book, uh, this devotion called New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. Some of you may have read it. If not, I would encourage you to pick it up. It's a great devotion. This was the, this was the sentence, the quote. This was the thing that was in it this past week. And it just spoke to me. And I want you to receive it today. Grace forces us to feel the pain of our regrets, but never ask us to pay for them because the price has already been paid by Jesus. I love that. I'll read it one more time just in case you want to make sure you write it down. Grace forces us to feel the pain of our regrets. We can all feel that pain at times, but never ask us to pay for them because the price has already been paid by Jesus. Listen to this, folks, today. The empty cross promises forgiveness. You must get that. You must know that. You must receive that today. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how long your list is, it doesn't matter. The empty cross promises forgiveness today. Amen. After six hours of agony upon the cross, Jesus whispered, listen to this, you got to receive this today. He said this, John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. What makes these words so meaningful is that the Greek word translated, it is finished, is tetelestai, which is an accounting term that means this, paid in full. Amen, amen. When Jesus uttered those words, he wiped all the debt racked up by your sins and mine. He paid the debt we could never pay. That's why the empty cross promises forgiveness for all our sins. Amen. And so today, this is your first time ever hearing that. You got to know that God promises things, promises things and empty things. The empty cross promises forgiveness today. You must receive that today. As we go on, let's examine the empty clothes. Now, I want you to get this. In John chapter 19, verse 38, 
Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, listen to, these, listen to this as we kind of set this stage for the empty clothes. They were both Pharisees who secretly believed in Jesus. Reluctant during Christ's life, but courageous at his death. They requested permission from Pilate to bury the body of Jesus. They ascended Golgotha bearing burial clothes, long strips of linen cloth. Pilate supplied permission. Joseph supplied a tomb. Nicodemus supplied the spices. Then the Bible says this. In John chapter 19, verse 40, it talks about this. Following Jewish burial customs, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices in the long sheets of linen cloth. For John, who witnessed all this firsthand, the arrival of the burial cloth represented the departure of hope. I want you to get that. Listen to that. For John, who witnessed all this firsthand of the arrival of the burial cloths, represented the departure of hope. These linens were a tangible reminder that his faith and future were wrapped in cloth and sealed behind a rock. Now, this is what I love and find this interesting for John. I want you to get this and receive this in a special way today. John didn't know on Friday what you and I know. In fact, John would later confess that he and the others still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. In John uh, chapter 20, verse 9, it talks about that. John and the others believed in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus. All their hopes and dreams rested in a man, and they believed was God in human flesh, but then he died. Now think about this today. The ground beneath the old rugged cross was moist with blood, the body wrapped in strips of linen and laid to rest. All of Jesus' followers were discouraged. Jesus' death dealt a crushing blow to John's faith. I want you to get this and receive this today. John didn't know what we know. John didn't know what we know. He thought all hope was lost. Maybe you can relate today. Tragedies often dent and sometimes destroy our faith. Maybe it's the loss of a job, a loss of a friend or a family member. Maybe God didn't show up when you thought he should have. No amens. No amens. That's because it's true and it hurts, right? Maybe God didn't show up when you thought he should have. What about me, God? What about Nate? Why didn't you show up in time? Why didn't you show up when I asked you? Because why? It's about Nate. I want it to be about me and when I want it. What about me? Why didn't you show up in time? When life gets hard, our hopes are shattered. Our faith can suffer a devastating blow. We begin to wonder why God lets bad things happen or if God's even there. If you haven't thought that, then man, bless you today if you've never thought that. What we learn from John today, however, is this. It's just hang in there a little while longer. We don't know what John did on Saturday. We have no passage to read, no insights to share share. All we know is when Sunday came, John was still present. Listen to this. What about you? When you're in John's position, what do you do? When you're somewhere between yesterday's tragedy and tomorrow's triumph, what do you do? Do you leave God or do you linger near him? John chose to linger and because he lingered on Saturday, he was around to see the miracle on Sunday. Amen. And so I ask you today, Pathway Church, 
When things get tough, when God doesn't show up exactly when we want, when things don't go exactly the way we think they should, when maybe some hopes are shattered, what is it? What is it that you do? Do you leave or do you linger? For John, he chose to linger, and because of that, he was saying, you know what? Here is the tragedy that maybe happened on Friday, but thank goodness he lingered so he could see the triumph on Sunday. Amen? Amen. Maybe I'm the only one that's getting that because I'm sweating like crazy up here. (laughs) What is it? Man, that struck me. That struck me. God gave that to me and it kind of hit me just like a rock right here because, man, I'm guilty. I am so guilty. What about me, God? What about my needs? What about my family? That was supposed to be me. Why did you let that happen? Why in the world is that going on in my life? Why, why, why? And most of the time, what happens is we choose to leave God or we go the opposite way and we miss out on the miracle that he has waiting for us. And I would love to tell you it would be three days for your miracle. It might be three years, 30 years, I don't know. I can tell you one thing, I'm still praying for a huge miracle that one day two of my brothers will come to know the Lord. I know it's coming, I'm not gonna stop. I know the miracle's coming, amen, amen. You know what you're praying about. You know what you're going through. But listen, you can't leave God. You can't leave him when just the tragedy comes. You gotta be ready and expectant for when the triumph comes. And you don't know when that's coming. I wish I could tell you, only God knows. But do not leave, linger near him. Continuing this with the empty clothes. Listen to this. Very early on Sunday morning, Mary bust through the door and delivered the news. Jesus's body is missing. Mary was urgent both with her announcement and her opinion. She had thought Jesus' enemies had taken his body away. Instantly, Peter and John hurried to the tomb. John outran Peter and arrived first. What he saw stunned him. He froze at the entrance. I want, to, want you to get this today. If today you're waiting in Saturday, if today you're waiting in your Saturday today, I want you to get this and listen to what it is. In John chapter 20, verses five through eight, listen to this. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there. But he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and get this, also went in, and he saw, and he believed. The empty clothes promise faith. God may ask you to do something you've never done before. He may ask you to have faith. Promise me on Saturday because Sunday's coming. Don't worry about the tragedy on Friday. Just have faith because the triumph is coming. Listen, you must understand that today. The promise today, the empty clothes promise faith today. On the first Easter Sunday, God took burial clothing, a tangible reminder of Jesus' death, a symbol of tragedy, and made it a symbol of hope, a birthplace of faith, a pile of empty clothes restored John's faith. God wants to do the same for us here at Pathway Church today. The next time your faith is shaken, when doubts or fears well up inside you, remember the empty clothes. Don't leave God. Linger near him. You might just be one day away from a miracle. For John, the empty clothes were proof that Jesus had risen, and because of that, John's faith was renewed and restored. Today, yours can be too. Amen? Amen. Finally, we come to this. We come to the empty cave or the empty tomb. 
And I love this out of the gospel of Matthew chapter 28, verses five through seven A. Listen to this. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. And he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. Amen. Amen. A couple of us are excited today. The tomb of Jesus remained empty as a symbol of life that outlasts the grave. Don't miss that. The tomb of Jesus remained empty as a symbol of life that outlasts the grave. Life everlasting. In other words, the empty cave promises forever. Forever. As humans, our minds can hardly grasp that concept. Yet Jesus promised it over and over. He told Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life in John 3, 16. He assured the woman at the well in John 4, 14, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to what? Eternal life. In John chapter six, verse 47, he announced to the crowds, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has what? Eternal life. The empty cave promises forever. Most people today, listen to this. We hope for a long and happy life. That's why we buy into the commercials that we see. We buy into this whole marketing thing. They are filled with empty promises. But listen to this, he offers forever. He offers eternity. The promise of eternal life is the heartbeat of hope. I love that. The promise of eternal life is the heartbeat of hope. Now, I know we've went through a lot of these rather quickly. And I know everybody's got Easter lunch plans and we got another service, but how great would it be? We're still in here worshiping our risen savior when they come in, amen, amen. But I just wanna share these verses of scripture and I literally just, God asked me, this is what God has asked of me. God has asked of me to just speak these scriptures over you. And I want you to please with everything you have to receive this today and hold on that God promises forever. I love this. The apostle Paul put it this way in Romans chapter six, verses six through 14. And there's quite a few verses here, but I want you to get this today. This is powerful stuff from God's word. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been 
brought from death to life, amen? And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now get this in verse 14, you gotta get this. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace, amen? Amen. That's good. I love this, receive this today in a special way. Paul said this, it's a prayer for the Ephesians and I love the NIV version, get this. In Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 21. Now a lot of times, many of us will quote Ephesians three, chapter 20, but there's a whole thing in here and I want you to get this and receive it today. Verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Listen to this, this is good. To grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled, filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that all his work within us to him be the glory in the church in pathway church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen the empty cave serves as a powerful reminder that Christ rose from the grave never to die again. He promises that if we believe in him, then we will live with him forever. Amen. Amen. All right, I think I've pretty much sweat through all my clothes so far, so that's good. There's a lot I, there's a lot I wanna say, but God knows what needs to be said. I don't know how you got here, who invited you. But you're here for this day. And God planned this day for you and he has those promises of forgiveness. He has the promise of faith and he has the promise of forever through the empty cross, through the empty clothes and through the empty cave. And maybe today you're here today and you just need to hear God's word in a special way. For me, it was crazy that that some punk kid named Nate, a freshman in college, sitting in a service. And sitting there, knowing God was doing something and I knew I needed to do something, I didn't even know what I needed to do. And I can remember literally leaving God from moments that had happened through my high school years. And many of you know that I shared, I lost my father when I was in high school and other things in my life and I just left God. But I'm thankful for a praying mother, thankful for 
great men of God that he sent my way to where I was able to sit in a service and I came down to an altar and I gave my life to Christ. And my life has been changed forever. And you say, Nate, why is it that you're emotional about it? It's because he set me free. Amen. Amen. And it's hard to not get emotional when he sets you free. And when you can hang on to the promises of forgiveness and faith and forever and say, Lord, I know I was going down a crazy path, but I can't imagine where I would have been if I didn't find you. But not only did I didn't find you, but that you found me and that you came after me. You came after me. And so if you're sitting here today, we're going to give you an opportunity. But I want to read something to you. we got a couple things here in a minute. But I want to read you some song lyrics. God's word and song lyrics is something that just always is something that's worked well in my life. I'll speak God's word. I'll read God's word. And then there's song lyrics that happen and. I share these lyrics because many of you will know them, you'll recognize them, but it's something that reminds me so fresh of that day being a freshman in college and giving my life to Christ. And you'll recognize these, but I want to read these words to you today and then I want to share something with you. Once again, 
something that came to me years ago. Some of you may have heard this. Some of you have probably been a part of this. You've seen this. You've heard it. It kind of came out years ago, and it was part of a video, and that's fine. I want you to get this today as we celebrate our risen King today, as we celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, today. But there was a, a, a pastor that shared something in a sermon, and it's just something, and like I said, many of you have probably heard it, but I want you to get this today. It's, a, it's part of a sermon from Reverend S.M. Lockridge. That name may be familiar, may not. I love his name. His name's really Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. I love his name. I love that. He's passed away. He's been passed for a while. He did some work even with Billy Graham and others. But he shared this as part of his sermon. I want you to get this today as we celebrate and as we end this. And then I want to give you one last instructions after this. But this is called, That's My King. The Bible says, My King is the King of the Jews. He's the King of Israel. He's the King of righteousness. He's the King of the ages. 